Welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Join us in a sex-positive awakening adventure to help create a sex-positive world. Become part of a movement and start living a sex-positive lifestyle free of sexual shame and guilt. Adult Bedtime Stories is a Raven Slayer production. Adult Bedtime Stories is a show dedicated to bringing sacredness back to our sexuality and to learn about everything sexual. Allow the beautiful sexy creature within you to emerge. Each week the focus of the show will be on a different sexual topic designed to enlighten you so you develop more fully as a sexual being. This is a sex education that you didn't receive in high school but should have. Imagine for a moment that we could change the world and live a sex-positive lifestyle. In our sex-negative world, the process of socialization teaches us to feel shame and guilt around sex. By adopting a new set of attitudes and values around sex, we can view sex with a new understanding, which is accompanied with positive emotions and the attitude that sex is a sacred act. I am Mighty Boy Chi-Chi, a sex expert a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. Hello and welcome. You are listening to Adult Bedtime Stories. And tonight I have Jay, my partner, and Paul with me, and I'm going to let Jay introduce the topic because this is one near and dear to her heart. (laughs) So I just finished reading the book Ace by Angela Chen, C-H-E-N, and it's about asexuality. I thought it'd be good to do a topic about it because when we talk about sex positivity and we talk about, you know, being sex positive and all that stuff, a lot of times the idea of asexuality kind of gets shoved to the side or, you know, ignored or, uh, you know, completely glossed over. So I did want to talk about, you know, what is asexuality and what does it mean and how how does it fit in with the whole sex positivity movement? So that's what I wanted to talk about today. And I know for me, sex positive should be more inclusive of asexuals and people that are sexually different. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But any thoughts, Paul? Yeah, I've met a lot of people who identify as asexual or gray sexual. It's actually really interesting because traveling around in polyamorous communities, you meet a lot of ace people because a lot of people have this misunderstanding that asexual means aromantic and those are two completely different Mm -hmm. designations and people who want a romantic relationship and also 
understand that a lot of people desire sex wind up in polyamorous relationships so that they can, or at least open relationships so that they can still, so that their partners can still have a sexual outlet if their partner is someone who needs a sexual outlet. So I've wound up meeting a lot of ace people in polyamorous circles. And like, I, I think that it's really unique and interesting. And like, I've seen a lot of really beautiful relationships that have one asexual partner with partnered with people who are not asexual. And uh, I think that a lot of people, if they're even aware of asexuality, like don't really make the connection that someone can desire a romantic relationship without wanting a sexual relationship. And that's something I think we should probably start off with, at least, is to kind of define asexuality and aromanticism and and what it is and what it is not. Because a lot of times people think that, as you said, like Mm -hmm. sexual attraction and romantic attraction are often conflated in this, in our society. That if you say like, you know, oh, I'm homosexual, that means I'm also homoromantic and I only want to romance with somebody of my same gender but that's not necessarily true, you know? And so there's romantic relationships. Mm -hmm. Who do you want to, you know, hold hands with and and kiss and cuddle? And then there's sexual relationships. Who do you want to have sex with? And for a lot of people, it's the same person, but it's not always. Mm -hmm. So there might even be people, even outside of the ACE community, there might be people who say, you know, I'm pansexual. I will have sex with anybody, but I'm homo romantic. I only want to have a romance with somebody of my same gender or something like that. So yes, mm-hmm. so there can be people who are aromantic. They don't want to have a romantic relationship, but they can still be have sexual relationships and they want to have sex. There are people who are asexual. They don't want mm-hmm. to have sex, but they want to have a romance. And then of course there are aro aces mm-hmm. who don't want to have romance. They don't want to have sex. They're like, I don't understand why y'all are you know thinking about all this stuff anyway. It seems like a waste of time. So yeah, so asexuality. And oh, go ahead. Okay, well, I was just gonna say. So asexuality it, itself, also to say one doesn't want to have sex, mm-hmm. goes from everything to you know I'm I hate sex. I think it's gross mm-hmm. and icky what you people do with your genitals. To yeah, I masturbate and I think it feels good. I just don't necessarily want to do it with another person or something like that. You know. So again, there's that spectrum of what asexuality mm-hmm. means. So you were going to say something, Paul? Yeah. I also know that for some people, they describe themselves as asexual. That doesn't mean they will never have sex. It means that sex really isn't what does it for them, but they might have sex for the bonding and connection with their partners. They might have sex because f- for for a number of different reasons. Mm-hmm. Like I, I actually knew a prostitute who was asexual they didn't particularly get anything out of sex mm. but they were not sex repulsed yeah and it was how they made their money so like yeah when you say that there's a spectrum in asexuality there there definitely is and mm-hmm. i think that 
if people have an understanding of like how broad the spectrum is, it can help people to realize like, oh, I, I might be there. And I also mentioned a term, term earlier that's gray sexual, which is not fully ace, but some people who describe themselves as gray sexual have very low sex drives. Some people who describe themselves as gray sexual might have like sex drives that are very high, but only very occasionally when they want sex, they really want sex, but it's once every three months. Yeah. Stuff it's like that. So, yeah. yeah. And so in the book, Ace, Chen talks about that and the idea that, you know, there's not one correct way to be asexual. There are many different ways, but you were talking about low sex drive. And apparently there is a disorder in the DSM that is some, I can't remember now what it's called, but basically it's low sex drive yeah. disorder, you know? And so people who don't want to have sex, that's considered a mental health issue and should quote unquote to be fixed. And so a lot of people who are ACE may not realize they're ACE because that's not really accepted in this society. I mean, somebody who doesn't want to have sex, everyone's like, well, what's wrong with you? Maybe you just haven't met the right person. Have you tried masturbating? Hey, here's a dildo. Why didn't you play with that? You know, and it's like, that's not helpful. It's not, that's not it, you know? And I think it kind of lends to the idea that it alienates people and makes them feel like, oh, I'm, I'm abnormal. Mm -hmm. But being, having low desire or no desire is not abnormal. We're all wired differently. Yeah. And that, that's one reason why I kind of mm -hmm. wanted to bring it up on this show, too, is, you know, you're into sex positivity, and that's great. But a lot of people think that sex positivity means you have to be wild and kinky and have sex with as many people as possible in as many different ways and things like that. And that's not just an ace thing, but anybody who says, oh, yes, I like sex. I like vanilla, heterosexual, monogamous sex. Like, really? What's wrong with you? You know, you should be more sex positive. Well, you can be sex positive and still be monogamous. You can be sex positive and be ace, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think sometimes there's an idea that sex positivity has to be this wild and kinky thing. Yeah. And if you don't want that, yeah, there's something wrong with you. I think there's another element going on here that's really, Patty Britton touches on it in her book, The Art of Sex Coaching. And she calls it the touch continuum. And often we miscommunicate through touch thinking, oh, I want to get laid if I touch you. And we get this big misunderstanding between intimacy and eroticism. Sometimes we want to be intimate without the eroticism. But a lot of people assume they go hand mm -hmm. in hand. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to kind of read quickly the five levels of touch. There's healing, affectionate, central, which can be erotic or may not be, erotic, and then sexual. Mm -hmm. And often people think, oh, if I start touching you sensually, it automatically leads to the erotic and then to the sexual. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes a person is just wanting to be very close and affectionate and 
and sensual mm-hmm. because not wanting sex doesn't mm-hmm. mean you don't want the sensuality necessarily. And it's good to mm-hmm. communicate these things. Mm-hmm. Or even erotica, yeah. you know, so mm-hmm. for, again, for a lot yeah. of people, erotic and sensual could be kind of the same thing, but in Chen's book, she knows, so Paul, you were saying, you know, a lot of aces in the poly community and Chen was saying she ran into a lot of aces in the BDSM community. So they play with partners and do all the stuff that maybe some people would think is sexual, but it, yeah. for them wasn't sexual. It's probably more erotic. And again, in BDSM, you've got all the negotiation going on. And so you can say, yes, I want to do these things with you, but I don't want to do this. Or if you start getting aroused, mm-hmm. that's on you. It's not on me and I'm not going to do anything about it. You know, and so you can do all that negotiation. Yeah. So I think a lot of aces may feel more comfortable in the BDSM community. Cause like, here are the rules, here's where it's going to go. And that's it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. You know, or whatever. And no does mean no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think well, that one other thing. Well, I, I mean, oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say that, like, it it makes sense that both in the polyamorous community and in the BDSM community that you find asexuals because the thing that kind of unites them is the necessity for like in-depth, specific communication. And like an awareness of consent and an awareness of like being able to withdraw consent at any time and things like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'd like to say something on the other side of the spectrum. Oftentimes when people get too focused on sex, they miss out on something that's very powerful. And I ran into it when I had a, quote, boyfriend, but we never had sex, but we slept naked together. We cuddled up together and we held each other. And there's this nurturing and this powerful healing aspect to it. It was Mm kind of like the bigger brother I never had. Mm -hmm. And even though I had biological brothers, I was the oldest and I wasn't accepted in my family. But with him, I could find that intimacy that I was so longing for without the sexual sexuality getting in the way of it. And it led in a whole different Mm -hmm. direction once we took sex out of the picture. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I Mm -hmm. think a lot of people miss out on is that, oh, I can be very intimate and very close and very vulnerable with another person because even if i'm a person is asexual it doesn't mean they don't still need that closeness that vulnerability that Mm -hmm. connection yeah and so i think i think a lot of times people that get too sexual focus too much on the sex and miss out on some of the vulnerability and some of that Mm-hmm. Um, connection that can occur if you take sex out of the picture for a while or maybe permanently with one person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Chen kind of talks about that. You were talking about the the spectrum of touching. And Chen says that sexuality in, in our society is kind of seen as like an escalator, mm-hmm. keep going up and up. And mm-hmm. so when you 
are do, hit, hitting the bases, right? You know, first base, second base, third base, whatever that might be. You know, so there's holding hands, which then will lead to kissing, which will then lead to this, which will then, you know, lead to sex. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of have to keep going forward. And it's okay. And, and so if you want yeah. to hold hands and cuddle with somebody, at some point, there's this expectation that at some point, you're going to want to have you should have sex with them kind of, you know, and it's like, that's, that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Looked like you wanted yeah. to say something. And Paul. like, yeah, I wanted to go back to a thing that Jay was saying earlier about how in the DSM now there is a, a, a thing in it that revolves around low sex drive and that the fact that it's pathologized and, it reminds me of when homosexuality was in the DSM and when and being desirous of BDSM was in the DSM. And the fact that these things are pathologized in this way that they're automatically this negative thing because it's different from a lot of people's experience of being a person. I think that that that's a damaging thing and mm-hmm. like goes to show like how like I, I i think the mental health field has come a long way and i'm a big supporter of people getting therapy and getting into mental health but mm-hmm. it's not perfect yet oh yeah and i think you bring up yeah. something that i've found through sex coaching is that the whole mental health field in the medical field is so anti-sex and when sex comes up, they try to brush it off or pathologize it. But in sex coaching, mm-hmm. we look at, at a person not as damaged, but maybe setting new goals and not getting to where they want to get in life. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it's a different direction. Instead of saying, oh, you're broken, I'm going to fix you. It's more like, where do you want to go and what do you want to achieve? And it paints a much more positive picture. Yeah. I'm going to quibble a little bit with you when you say that, you know, doctors will brush aside sex to a certain extent, maybe, but I think there's also this huge, I know there's a huge expectation that people are having sex and should be having sex like after a certain age. And I know when I go into the doctor, you know, last time when I, last time I got a mammogram and they were like, okay, there's radiation. Are you pregnant? And I said, no. And they're like, are you sure? Sweetie, I know how sex works. Okay. I understand the concept. No, there has been no viable sperm anywhere near my vagina. I'm not pregnant. And when I said that the woman, she kind of laughed, but then she was also like, well, why not? I was like, this is, no, <laughs> you're talking about my boobs here. Okay. That has nothing to do with my uterus. We're not going to discuss this. And as uh, so I still had to sign a paper saying, if I do come up pregnant, it's not our fault. Like, oh, just, whatever. So there is this expectation that people should be having sex. And I've never told my doctor that I'm asexual because I don't want to have to deal with that crap, you know, because other people do. And the doctor's like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, let's fix that. No, excuse me. I broke my leg. Can we talk about this? But you're asexual. You don't have sex. Just, (laughs) you know, so there is this expectation. Chen calls it um, compulsory sexuality. Where it's like everyone mm-hmm. should be having sex. But then mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. Then there's 
you got to have the quote unquote, the right kind of sex, you know, and stuff like that. But she also coined, or not coined a term, but she used a term, a motto normativity, which is a little clunky. It's like, yeah, we can come up with something better, but a motto meaning love, normativity, normalness, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And the idea that sex and love and a relationship are normal and everyone again should be wanting that and should be getting into it so the example of marriage for instance for a long time that was only between a man and a woman and now it's luckily you know two men can get married two women can get married but there's still the idea that they have to be in love to be married and you know this tends to come up, I think, in like, you know, if, if some uh, an immigrant comes over here and wants to marry somebody to get a green card and get a citizenship, the couple has to prove that they're in love and not doing it just for the green card. It's like, why? Why not marry somebody just to let them have a green card? Why not marry somebody, you know, get the benefits of marriage, excuse mm-hmm. me, without having to marry them? Or why not just say, hey, my best friend and I want to live together because neither of us have a, a partner. So we want to live together, mm-hmm. but we want to be able to buy a house together. We want to be able to get on each other's insurance, mm-hmm. but you can't do that unless you're quote unquote in love and getting married. So again, that's so much a part of society mm-hmm. that it's just, it's really, really hard to think about a situation when, you know, that, that doesn't happen. That's just considered again, normal. Well, of course, marriage is between two people who love each other. What do you mean? you know, it's like, it doesn't have to be. Yeah. And like, it's really weird. Like we've come a long way in realizing that used to be that there was one model that everyone had to work off of. And that was what normal was. And anything outside of it was almost against nature. And that was Mm -hmm. how people looked at it. And then like slowly over time, we've, realized like oh there are different kinds of normal and some normals are more common than other normals and some of them really are not really that common so they're not normal but also there's nothing wrong with them and I think that we're still learning over time and until we get to a point as a society that we realize that as long as people aren't hurting each other and as long as Mm -hmm. they aren't hurting themselves that anything human beings engage in is human nature and that Mm -hmm. it shouldn't be looked down upon yeah well and i kind of wonder now i'm thinking out loud so you know always dangerous for me but um, I, was t- I was talking to you about something, Gigi, about yeah. like what is like kind of like what is considered normal and then how sometimes people will say, well, if we don't put boundaries around things, if we don't police it, then that means everyone can do it and that would be terrible. Like, oh my gosh, wouldn't it be awful if everybody had good health care? Oh, once you let one person have it, then everybody's going to want it and then things are going to be terrible and sarcasm, right? And I think, I wonder if some of that comes, some of this amatonormativity, the marriage stuff, comes from that. I mean, after all, if you can let just anybody have the benefits of marriage, well, why not have two friends who aren't in love with each other and aren't going to have kids getting married? That would be terrible, right? Oh, how horrible that would be. 
or, you know, siblings getting together. It's like, we're never going to get married to anybody else. So we're going to go ahead and just buy a house together and, you know, get on each Mm -hmm. other's health insurance and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's like, no, no, we can't do that. Cause then everybody's going to want to do that. And that will be terrible (laughs) somehow. But but why? Yeah. And so I think that's, you know, marriage has, and, you know, for, for the longest time, marriage was not a love relationship. It was a business or a political or economic relationship. Oh yeah. I have a grove of trees. You have, you have a thriving carpentry business. We'll marry your child to my child and then they'll cut trees down and make, you know, so. And it was also used to preserve the class system. Oh yeah. That's the economic stuff. Yeah. You know, class and, you know, procreation and all that stuff. So the idea of love in a marriage was actually kind of silly for a while. And then of course you get the medieval courtly love where the whole idea is you have a lover who is not your spouse. You're not supposed to be in love with your spouse because ew, gross. Ew, you like your spouse? Yucky. So you have a lover whom you may or may not have sex with outside of the marriage. Uh, again, for the upper class. So, oh yeah. So now, you know, marriage is supposed to be about love and you're supposed you're, you're one true love and all that stuff. And it's supposed to be this romantic sexual thing. And, and you're getting into that myth of, oh, that's my soulmate. We're connect. We were connected by the cosmos. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole nother issue. But um, yeah. So the idea now that marriage could be between two people just for, a, a business proposition kind yeah. of I actually knew a guy in college and his yeah. parents got married and had kids and they decided for them it was a very uh, business-like proposal they were like well I want kids yeah so do I let's go ahead and get married have children and once the youngest is in college we'll get a divorce and then move on fellas. okay let's do that and that's exactly what they did which I thought was you know, very business-like way to do it all right as long as everyone's happy but yeah but now there's this idea of you know soulmate and my partner should be my one and only and again shen kind of talks about this obviously this is going to come up in an ace and ace allo relationship allosexual meaning people who like having sex how do you have sex Mm -hmm. when i mean excuse me not have sex how do you have a relationship when one person wants to have sex and the other one doesn't and for a lot of people that is a deal breaker. If we are not sexually compatible, Mm. I'm not going to marry you. Mm. But there are a lot of people who get married and may have a mismatch in sexual compatibility, even if both of them are aloe. You know, one person may want to have sex every Mm. single day and one person's like, no, don't think so. Let's do it once a week. Mm -hmm. And that's just, you know, it's part of marriage. You have to make arrangements and compromises and things like that. But again, with this amount of normativity, the more I say it, the easier yeah. it gets. But still, uh, <laughs> you know, the idea is <laughs> you're going to be completely sexually compatible with somebody in all ways, because yes, they are my soulmate, my OTP, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's, again, I think where aces can come into the poly relationship, poly community or BDSM community because like well one person cannot be your be all and end all and shouldn't necessarily be that's not actually a good thing and I think Mm -hmm. you touch on something that's kind of a myth out there and very damaging to a lot of relationships and that is one person thinks oh I'm in charge of your orgasms and your sex and if Mm -hmm. you're not having good sex 
we need to fix it. And it's like, it's my responsibility to be in charge of your sexuality. And mm -hmm. no, <laughs> yeah. we each have to own our own sexuality. And part, I'm highly sex driven. <laughs> and I've had many partners that come nowhere near to matching my <laughs> sex drive. <laughs> and I learned early on, hey, I'm responsible for my own sexual health and well-being. I'll masturbate if mm -hmm. I don't find other avenues. <laughs> and masturbation mm -hmm. or other avenues are perfectly okay as long as you're honest and and communicate that with your partners mm -hmm. and determine yeah. what like, works in your relationship you were gonna mm -hmm. say something paul yeah so like there are just as many different kinds of relationships as there are relationships every relationship is unique every relationship poses different benefits and also like things that might be challenges or things that you have to figure out mm -hmm. and I think that's one of the beautiful things about relationships I don't think it's a, a bad thing that with each new person that you connect with you have to learn how you and that person connect in in the best way I think that it's a way that we can grow as people. I think it's a way that mm -hmm. we can move forward as a society is by having these open and like complex conversations that that people are having now that it's only been in the last few decades that people have been talking about asexuality as a thing even. Mm -hmm. And it's because there is more understanding of the complex dynamics that go into relationships and into sex. And it's because we're becoming more in tune with the different ways that people can be in the world that like people are even realizing, because I think that for a long time, there, there have been a lot of people that were asexual and especially in the past, uh, if that person was a woman and they unfortunately didn't get a whole lot of say in when sex happens and there was an expectation put upon the person mm -hmm. that like maybe the person would think like, oh, well, I got married to this guy pretty young. Maybe it's, maybe it's him that I'm not into, but he's my husband and I can't cheat on him. So I guess I just have to grin and bear it, lay back and think of England and stuff like that. But I think that now that once there's a group of people that can stand up as a community and say, hey, this is something that we've realized we all have in common. And like, it's a thing. Like, please recognize that that's a thing. Like, I think that that's a statement that like, we're kind of on the right path to like gaining more acceptance, but there's some definitely some growing pains. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you also touched on something is asexuality can be very different depending on, let's see, how should I put this? You know, I mean, depending on a person's race or gender or, you know, ability, asexuality can certainly be uh, complicated in that, area so a woman who doesn't want to have sex you know in a way 
there's still this idea that women shouldn't want to have sex or if a woman has too much of an interest in sex, she's a slut and she's wrong. And, you know, you shouldn't do that. Even though I know earlier we were talking about that, that, uh, you know, sex positivity is all about having wild and kinky sex. But anyway, so for a woman to say, I don't, I have a low sex drive. I think a lot of times people are like, well, yes, of course you do. You're a woman. You should have a lower sex drive than your husband. That's obvious. For a man to have a low sex drive, you know, it's like, wow, what the hell's wrong with you? You don't want to have sex all the time. You're not constantly thinking about sex. There's something mm -hmm. wrong with you. <laughs> Different races have been sexualized by the white community, you know, by white society in different ways. So sometimes people are like, you know, no, I'm not going to be your little Asian fetish. So no, I'm not going to have sex. Well, is that a reaction to the race or is that a reaction to, you know, is that being asexual? And then, of course, there's the issue of disabilities and people with disabilities mm -hmm. are often seen as asexual in this society, whether they want to be or not, you know, so it's like, no, I am disabled, but I want to have sex or someone who's disabled and asexual. It's like, well, is this really me or is this because society has been telling me I shouldn't be having sex? So, you know, of course, mm -hmm. it gets really complicated around these issues. There's so many different issues about yeah asexuality and then it just but just goes back to what you were saying everybody is different and every relationship is different and but the idea that there is one right mm -hmm. way to do it get married i mean heck even when Gigi and i first got together and i insisted on having separate bedrooms because i get up early to go to work and Gigi stays up late you know i'm like I need to get my sleep, sweetie. We're going to have separate bedrooms. And I said that to someone and he was aghast. He was, he said, if I ever got married, my wife wanted separate bedrooms. I would be so offended that she didn't want to sleep with me. I was like, it's a sleeping thing. I need my eight hours. I'm sorry. You know, but yeah, I stopped yeah. telling people that because when I tell people they were horrified, they were sure that our relationship would never last. <laughs> And, you know, well, it's only been 26 years, so I don't know. Maybe they were right. Uh, but, yeah, you know, it's so like, no. more like 30. Yeah, well, it's living together, I was thinking. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, but there's only one right way to do it. And you have to have the same bedroom and all this. And, you know, it's just even something that simple. It's like we have separate bedrooms because we sleep better, you know, and, and there's so many people who complain, yeah. oh, I can't sleep with my spouse in the bed. And I said, why don't you get separate bedrooms? Oh, I could never do that. We're married. What? Yeah. What? No. It's like saying I could never do that. I have brown hair. What? No, that makes no sense. Oh my, we're to station break time. Okay. How time flies. <laughs> And I'd like to remind people to visit our websites. And Sunday, July 25th, we're going to be running a special Aphrodite's Temple. We're going to have two prizes. <laughs> and basically, we're going to have part of Aphrodite's Temple is going to be telling your erotic story. <laughs> and so it's going to be a very special Aphrodite's Temple. If you're interested, you do need to sign up ahead of time and go to ladyboytemple.com. And we've got all the information on our website. Paul, do you have anything you want to add to Station Break? So as you visit our, our website, ravenslayerleather.com, you will also find a link to our Patreon page. 
Patreon helps us to fund the, the work that we do here and helps to keep us bringing you the, this good information as time goes by. Another way that you can support the podcast is by signing up for different, uh, we have uh, different online courses. Um, they're, uh, they're reasonable rates and not only do you get spoken content like you do on on the podcast, but there are also different worksheets and exercises and things like that to help keep you engaged and go a little bit further than we do on the podcast. And oh, both nice. of those are very good ways to help support the podcast. The first place prize is a free hour of sex coaching with me, Ladyboy Gigi. And the second place prize is to be featured on adult bedtime stories to tell your erotic story. Okay. <laughs> well, sound good. Yeah. So anyway, back to our topic. Well, interesting that you mentioned story. Um, so it's one of those things that, you know, sometimes the universe just kind of comes together and, and things just kind of happen. So I'm on a couple of newsletters about various books and types of books. And uh, so I was book riot, if, if you're interested. And so they were talking about science fiction and, and things like that. And they said, here's a list of sci-fi books with ace heroes and ace representation, ace or arrow, either way. So that was kind of interesting. I was like, oh, I happen to be reading this book on asexuality and here they are talking about it. And then it like came up on another newsletter that I get. And then Angela Chen in her book was saying, how many times have you read a book that did not have romance in it? Now, she also stipulated, we're not talking young adult stuff because a lot of times young adult books will not have sex in it and not genre mm -hmm. fiction. So those of y'all who are like, there's no sex in the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, okay, that's genre fiction. We're not talking about that. Regular old just novels, right? The yeah. quote unquote realistic novels. How many novels can you think of, adult novels, that don't have romance in them? And I, the English teacher was sitting there going, ooh, that's a good one. That's a toughie, you know? And it's like, it just, it comes up all the time. You have two people who are friends and especially if they're male and female friends, and in the end, they're going to have a relationship. They're going to have a romance relationship, you know, and you see it in, in uh, TV shows all the time too. <clears throat> so it's two characters and there may be some sexual tension there. So inevitably the writers feel like they have to put them in a relationship, which often will end up hurting the, you know, the plot of the, the story. But, um, but sometimes they do it when it has nothing to do with the plot. And it's like romance is always seen as a part of the adult life and it always ends up in books someone always has to have a romance romantic relationship and i'm not even talking about the romance books i mean obviously that's there it's in the title but literary fiction classics i mean think about it. can you think of a, a fiction book that doesn't have romance in it you tell me yeah um and I think you touch on something. Mm, it's like, I remember when I took myself on a date one time, more than once, and it always people would kind of give me funny looks because I'd be eating dinner by myself 
at a fancy restaurant or I'd be going to a movie by myself. And mm -hmm. we're so culturally oriented to go out as couples, not go by yourself. Oh, there's mm -hmm. something wrong with you. And I even had people approach me and say, do you have any problems? I'd be more than happy to go out with you. <laughs> mm -hmm. I did that too. This was when my sister was working at a movie theater. So I got in for free a lot. It was really great. So I, in the middle of the day, you know, I'm not working. I'd go over and, and go see a movie. And I said that to one of my coworkers and she was horrified. She's like, oh my God, no, next time call me, I'll go with you. And I was, I was really floored because I was like, why? <laughs> why should I call? Why do you, do you, are you interested in me? Do you want to go out with me? And then I finally realized that, yeah, the idea that I would go out by myself was shocking to her. And Well, I think there's this concept that solitude means loneliness and mm -hmm. solitude can sometimes be very rewarding and it oh, gives yeah. you time to be introspective and really know yourself better. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But yeah, so that, you know, that idea that romance always has to show up and then, but then she had an, uh, not an idea, but um, someone she was interviewing mentioned uh, having a queer platonic partnership, a QPP. Have you heard of that one? I got to admit, I love it. No, mm -hmm. <laughs> QPP. We have a tendency to kind of dismiss friendship in this mm -hmm. society too. And it's like, if you're friends with somebody, it's okay to be friends with them. But the idea is almost that once you have a love partner, you're going to dump your friend, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, because now you've got a partner. Yeah. And heaven forbid mm -hmm. that you are friends with somebody that you could be sexually attracted to because it's like oh no men and women you know heterosexual men and women at least can't be friends because the sexual tension is always there I'm, excuse you so anyway so this woman was talking about how she had this really intense friendship with another woman and she was married so woman a was married and she had this relationship with woman b wasn't sexual she didn't want to have sex with that woman she had no sexual interest in her at all but you know they would spend hours on the phone talking and, you know, text each other all the time and wanted to hang out and everything like that. And so she said, this person is more than just a friend to me. And so she said, she is my queer platonic partner. Queer in the sense, not that it was necessarily a gay relationship, although in this one, it was, you know, two women, but queer in the sense of queering the norm, right? Mm -hmm. So if I, you know, if, or if a woman has a relationship with a man, but she doesn't want to have sex with him. She could, they could still be queer platonic partners. And so it's more than just a friendship because you are making that commitment. That's what the partner part is. You're making a commitment to that person mm -hmm. and saying, we are going to continue to be friends. We're going to, you know, and, and how, whatever that partnership looks like, you know, maybe we're going to move in together. We're going to raise kids together. We're going to get a dog together, mm -hmm. whatever, you know? Yeah. But it's more than just a friendship. It is, I am committing myself to you. And I thought, you know, if that mm -hmm. becomes more of a norm, and again, not necessarily a marriage thing, although it would be nice if you could get married to that person and, you know, get those benefits of marriage. Uh, that's what Boston marriages used to be. You know, so a lot of people are like, oh, those are lesbians. And maybe some of them were. It was when two women would get together in what the 1800s and, you know, live together. Some of them may have been lesbians, but some of them may have been 
what Chen was calling a QPP, a queer platonic partnership. Mm -hmm. Two friends who wanted to live together, who wanted to share their life together, but didn't want to have sex. And I love the idea that, you know, here is another form of a relationship that could be legitimized. You know, I mean, it's, it's still not mm -hmm. acknowledged or, or even heard of, you know, I guess in the, the greater society, but wouldn't it be lovely to add that to our relationship? You can mm -hmm. be married, you can have a civil relationship, civil, um, what do you call it? Civil union. Mm -hmm or you can have a QPP, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I would love to see that as a legitimate option. Now thinking that you kind of touch on something <laughs> that seems to be very taboo in our culture. And that's this concept that if you're in a relationship and you're not having sex very often or at all with your partner, that somehow you're not allowed to really reach sexual fulfillment in other ways. And it gets into this whole fuck body concept or friends with benefits. What's wrong with having a friend that you wanna enjoy sex with but not have a romantic relationship with mm -hmm. and have a marriage where you're into a relationship that's based not on sex but on friendship and companionship and mm -hmm. the romantic side possibly even. <laughs> so there can be so many different relationship configurations that can sometimes happen yeah. simultaneously. Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> absolutely. So, so like, that's kind of what I was about to bring up. Uh, are either of you familiar with the term relationship anarchy? Nope. Vaguely, but I've been practicing it so, most of my adult life. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it? Tell us more about that. So, so relationship anarchy, it's a lot of what you were talking about, Jay, like the idea is every person you have a relationship with, be it a sibling, be it a friend, be it a lover, be it a romantic partner, you know, whatever. Like we have these relationships and we have like design these specific boxes for these relationships to go, you know? So if you're my boyfriend, that means there's romantic interest, uh, there's romantic connection. That means that there is mm -hmm. sexual connection. That means that there is emotional, you know, there, there's this list of things with every thing, it, like every one of the relationships that we make and in for a relationship anarchist, they buck the system and they decide that like, rather than using these terms that like denote these things, that these expectations, and then you try to fulfill those expectations within that relationship, you just have a relationship with the people that you have relationships with. And mm -hmm. that rela relationship might, include sex or it may not that relationship might include child rearing or it may not and doesn't necessarily have to include sex to include child rearing mm -hmm. it might mm -hmm. include sharing finances or not it, it, it you know it might include sharing household responsibilities and uh, co cohabitation or not mm -hmm. and you figure out those as you go along. And so like 
you know, for a while when I was living with Diana before we had our falling out, like I was as important to her as either of her romantic relationships and we cohabitated and I took on household responsibilities and things like that, but I wasn't her boyfriend. Mm. And that, you know, kind of gets into some of the things that you were talking about. And that's one of the things I really like about the RA model is because I do think that a lot of times when I look back at past relationships, I feel like, oh, I realized I was dating this person. So now I have to play catch up. And then like, now that we're dating, I guess that it involves this thing and this thing and this thing. Yeah. yeah. Where, where that's not necessarily true. And I can look back at my own past and see times that that was even probably harmful to me in ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And that kind of strikes an important note when we have these lists of what a a real relationship is, right? It can be very harmful if you don't measure up in some way. If I cared what other people thought about our relationship, I might be upset that, uh oh, we have separate bedrooms and this is a bad thing because everybody else is telling me that, even though I think it's good and haven't heard any complaints from Gigi, so oh, know. I've always loved it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's and it's that way. We each can have our own little space as well, and and what have you. And it's it just seems like that's the kind of thing. So then you would have to negotiate what goes into a specific relationship rather than assuming that this is going to happen or that is going to happen. And and I think mm-hmm. anybody, you know, and and now I'm thinking that would especially be good for heterosexual relationships. Because a lot of times in, in heterosexual relationships, the woman ends up doing, you know, most of the cooking, most of the cleaning, et cetera. And even if the man does mm-hmm. some of it, it's usually still not very equal. Or the woman has to remind the man, hey, remember, it's your turn to do X, Y, Z. And she still has the emotional, you know, burden of figuring out what's going on. And that's just assumed that's just accepted regardless of who has a job outside of the house you know and so negotiating mm-hmm. what you what your relationship will and will not entail i think would be very important for everybody and then I, the oftentimes when i was just the homemaker and you were the breadwinner people and i put that on forms mm-hmm. you know what's your occupation i'm a homemaker mm-hmm. and people would look at me weird because oh, I'm perceived as male and a male's not supposed to be the one that takes care of the home. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, why not? You know, it worked out perfectly for both of us. I love it. So, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. And- so I think that's another thing that asexuality can do is kind of shake up this idea of what a relationship should or should not entail. And our roles in a relationship. Exactly. Yeah. It's, you know, um, yeah. And who's mm-hmm. going to do what and why and mm-hmm. who should, you know, even, even down to who should be initiating sex and who shouldn't and what does it mean to consent mm-hmm. to sex and that sort of thing. I knew a couple of people who were in a relationship who one of, the, it was a long distance relationship. One of them was 
asexual because they were very touchiverse, but they were both into erotica. Mm-hmm. So like they would trade erotic stories back and forth and, and write erotic stories together and things like that. And they both really liked that. But the times that they got together in person, like the most that would ever happen between them was a kiss on the cheek. Mm-hmm. But it was a solid relationship. They both got exactly what they were looking for out of it. Mm-hmm. They were very happy together, you know, yeah. and engaged to be married. And I thought it was really a really beautiful relationship. And so many people would be like, oh, that's not a real relationship. Why is it not? Why is it your call to designate what a real relationship is? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think we're touching on something that I've seen come up with the gay marriage thing. And that is that heterosexual marriage is supposed to carry this kind of mystical property of specialness and Mm -hmm. that it can't be touched or questioned it has to be this way Mm -hmm. and i think that can be so damaging to everyone Mm -hmm. this whole sense of oh Mm -hmm. this is the picture we're supposed to fit into whether we fit into it or not Mm-hmm. The whole gay marriage is going to destroy straight marriage. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have never understood that argument. Like, okay. So all of a sudden, since you can marry a man, then the guy's not going to marry his wife. I don't never understood that one. And the other thing is that a lot I mean, of people don't realize where marriage came from. It was originally a prearranged by parents when a child was born. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with mm-hmm. romance or. Yeah. Well, yeah, like we had said earlier, yeah, yeah. it was an yeah. economic thing or a political thing or something like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah. That's and what I mean, makes also, me kind of laugh about the, oh, sorry, that's what makes me laugh at when people say, oh, heterosexual marriage is a special kind of thing, and mm-hmm. I go, do you really know the history of marriage? <laughs> yeah. No, no, people don't. They only know what they see, and they say it's always been like this. It's like, no, no, it hasn't. You were going to say, Paul? Oh, I, I was just going to say, like, and also, if your heterosexual marriage could be destroyed by gay marriage, what does that say <laughs> about your marriage? Like, yeah. What implication does that have? Is your marriage really so flimsy that me marrying a guy is going to ruin what you have? Like, I think the argument really is it's going to destroy the definition of marriage, you know, and well, if two men can get married or two women, why can't I marry my dog, you know, and that sort of thing. Going back to what we had said earlier that people are afraid that once you start opening things up, then everybody's going to be allowed to have it. And that would be horrible. And, you know, it's like, yeah, we can still say that marriage is just between humans. You're not going to go marry the Eiffel Tower, although people have done that, but, you know. And it may be more than two. (laughs) Yeah, you can marry two Eiffel Towers. No, wait, sorry, hang on. I got mixed up. The Eiffel Tower apparently has been married many, many times, though. So I'm like bigamist polygamist there but uh anyway so yeah we could we could maybe rule out marrying buildings or animals or something like that but you know why not expand the definition of marriage but uh yeah it 
like there was a stand-up co comedian that I was listening to that uh, like had this bit where the the thing with gay marriage and everyone's like, where it where will it end? Fucking somewhere. We've got to assume, right? Like, yeah. like it it's gonna end somewhere. Like we're not gonna just like go insane. It's gonna end somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's that's the fear. But uh, but I think the idea, you know, to get back to the idea of asexuality, though, is again, you know, there's this idea that marriage, two people in a marriage or three or whatever, should all be sexually compatible. And an interesting thing that Chen was saying is, even in hetero allo relationships there's still usually a big mismatch in sex or sex desire <clears throat> even mm -hmm. people who do like to have it, you know? And so it's like, well, why not, again, just kind of maybe change the definition of marriage or relationship or whatever. And that can certainly still be a part of it. I'm not saying y'all can't have sex, go have sex, y'all have fun, you know? It's, yeah. But that that shouldn't be, again, a be all end all for the relationship or even, even necessarily the most important part of a relationship. But that still tends to come up a lot. Mm -hmm. And you'll hear people say, you know, oh, if you're depressed, well, you know, you probably don't have a good sexual relationship with someone, go out and have sex. And that brings the dopamines or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, or if you're having problems in your relationship, well, look at your sex life and see what you can do to improve it. And, you know, it seems like that's always the first thing that people go for. If you're having problems, well, let's look at your sex life and you need to be having more sex. Yeah. And that's not always, not always the answer for everybody. It could be the opposite. Yeah. So. And I think you touch on another thing here. And as far as sexual compatibility, it's not just about desire. It's what you desire. Some people have different tastes and sometimes a partner would freak out and go, Ooh, you like sucking toes. That's disgusting. Mm -hmm. Or you like piss play. Oh, that's disgusting. Mm -hmm. And so the partner that's into that gets kind of left in the cold. And they, due to this kind of normative sexual expression rule, Mm -hmm. Yeah, that both partners in a relationship have to be, I mean, I don't want to say have to be equal in terms of sex, because I do think that's that's true, but equal means different things for different people, mm -hmm. but have to have the same yeah. sex drive and the same sex interests and stuff, yeah. And if not, cause I, I also think that one of the things that I've seen happen in the past is if someone's having low sexual desire or you know because like sex drives change over time too and mm -hmm. a lot of times at very different rates and i've seen a lot of times where two partners that were pretty sexually compatible and pretty in line with sexual desire and and things like that if one of them has a sudden drop in sexual desire and they like start feeling all of this pressure on them and they start feeling like oh no something's wrong with me like oh no like mm -hmm. what have I done wrong why is it that I'm just not into this person anymore or is it that whatever and I think that I've seen it in the past where the people have communication 
and they communicate with each other. And once that pressure gets taken off of them, their sexual energy may not come back, but all of the second guessing and all of the Mm -hmm. like feeling really guilty and feeling really bad, once that kind of simmers down and mellows out, all of a sudden they can be more themselves and feel freer and feel, and like I've seen relationships improve after that communication happens like Hmm. hey it's not you this is something that's happening in me I'm sorry about that but it is not something that has to do with you and there's nothing you need to fix and like having that kind of communication and taking that pressure off will a lot of times make it easier for the relationship to go forward Mm-hmm. And it might bring back some sexual desire, or it may not even a little bit. And either one is perfectly okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and ag- again, it's just kind of the idea of communication and saying this is what I want or this is what I don't want. And when you're afraid to communicate, that just adds another level of of fear and tension and and what have you and if you're afraid to lose your partner because of your lack of sex drive and again that's that's just kind of a thing in our society if your partner no longer wants you sexually then clearly the relationship's over and you need to dump them and get somebody else you know Mm -hmm. and god knows i wouldn't want to talk about my Mm -hmm. sexuality if that were the case with my partner so you know and i get that gets back to that whole binary sex thing is that when we think that a one and only one person can fulfill all my sexual needs mm-hmm. it's so binary in a way it's like hey i'm bisexual i like a little bit of both and i don't mm-hmm. feel fulfilled unless i have both in my life that's another mm-hmm. area where relationships can really kind of put expectations that can't be fulfilled by one person or another. Well, and again, I think it's not just a sexual thing, but it used to be that marriage was even, you know, fairly recently, comparatively recently, you know, the thirties and forties and fifties and all when marriage was still seen as a, as a love relationship, Mm -hmm. But the idea that your partner was going to be your one and only, yeah. that you wouldn't have any other, you shouldn't have any other relationships outside of your marriage. And that's kind of, I mean, I hear that sometimes from people as well. It's just like, I had a colleague one time and she and her husband were going to adopt a child. And the social worker came by and said something like, well, how many hobbies do y'all share or something like that? Or do you have any hobbies that you do that your husband doesn't? And my colleague was like, well, yes, I hope that's not a problem. Oh my God. Do you think we're not going to be allowed to adopt these kids anymore? I was like, no, that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it would be bad if you never did anything with your husband, Mm -hmm. but I think it would be equally bad if you never did anything without him. You know, you need to have Mm -hmm. your own life, your own relationship. Mm-hmm. And so in a marriage, when two people are in a marriage, and like we were saying earlier, the expectation from society is that you're going to dump all your old friends mm-hmm. and focus on your marriage. And if you don't, there's something wrong with you. 
a guy who leaves his wife for the weekend to go hunting and fishing or bowling or whatever heterosexual guys do for fun, you know, with the guys. Whoa, what's wrong with that? Or a woman who leaves to go hunting, fishing, bowling or whatever with her female friends, you know, it's like, oh, what's wrong with her? She should be with her husband. <laughs> so it's the idea that one I, person is going to be your one all and, and one and only yeah. is quite frankly a little horrifying to me i'm like oh i just that would be awful if you know but a lot of people do that and they don't have any friends outside their marriage or their relationship and then if something happens with a relationship you know they've got nothing they got no support yeah it's it's horrible um, i mean it's it's kind of like my mom had kept up a correspondence with her professor for for years and years and years and my dad always hated it because there were things that she could communicate with her professor that she couldn't communicate with my dad and it made my dad insanely jealous and even as a child I I thought that it was really sad that you know my dad was unwilling to like was un- made uncomfortable because my mom was able to communicate in a way with another person that she couldn't communicate with my dad. Even as a kid, the, like the way I framed it in my head is like, when I grow up, like, and I get married, like, would it be wrong for me to be able to communicate in a way with you, dad, that I couldn't communicate with my wife? Like, would that be wrong? And like, he he didn't exactly know what to say with that. Yeah, other than, well, it's different. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I don't think it is. Like, it is. A- <laughs> wow, the time flies. <laughs> We're at the top of the hour. Okay. And so I'd like to kind of go around. Any last thoughts or insights that any of y'all would like to share? Well, I just want to reiterate again um, that the book Ace by uh, Angela Chen was really, really good. It was very well researched, but it also was a lot of her own personal issues. She herself is Ace. Very, very readable. Very, very interesting. So mm-hmm. I highly recommend, highly recommend that book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Paul, any thoughts? I'd just like to leave off by saying that I'm really glad that we're doing this topic because I do think that in sex positive communities we do need to work to be welcoming and and inclusive of people that don't really are are asexual that are into vanilla sex part of sex positivity as we said at the top of the show is about embracing all sexualities, which includes asexuality and regular vanilla sexuality. So Mm -hmm. I am glad that we're doing this topic. And any of our ace listeners out there, I love you all. And I'm glad that y'all are listening. Mm -hmm. And we'd always love to hear back from you what your thoughts are about the show. Feel free to email me at admin at ggwilber.com I think my last thoughts are I've looked back on my life and I've seen certain relationships that 
I'm so happy that I was so outside the box and that those relationships could occur because I got so much out of them, even though they were very different. I think so many people cut themselves short by trying to Mm -hmm. live up to these narrow definitions of what should Mm -hmm. be or what has to be Mm -hmm. instead of where's my heart leading me to go. Yeah. And I think that's really, I've Mm -hmm. always kind of followed my heart and said, okay, this is how I want to be. This is my life. I'm going to reclaim it and live it the way I want to. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to follow the, I'm going to run Aphrodite's temple (laughs) and get naked out in the woods and have a really awesome time. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes I don't even have sex at Aphrodite's temple. Most times I don't. It's Mm -hmm. mostly just the freedom of running around naked and just being myself. It's so beautiful and wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Whoever you are, whatever your sexual desires are, as long as it's safe, sane, and consensual, it's all good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Enjoy those nocturnal emissions. Enjoy your bodies, whether it's sensual, sexual, or just intimate. Get to know what pleasures you the most and fulfill yourself with pleasures. Have a good night. Good night. Good night. I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual.